Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Christine Hassingen is an author and inspirational speaker who's written two books connected to our positive experiences with dogs as humans. Her first book, To the Moon and Back to Me, was a memoir focused on her own experience, which was inspired by her soulmate dog. Her new book, Hope as a Cold Nose, focuses on veterans and how dogs can help them with their PTSD and life after their service and providing unconditional support, acclimating back into the world, and being a constant companion. Christine, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Christine, where are we speaking to you from? I am actually in southwest Michigan, so I'm not far from one of the Great Lakes. Oh, beautiful. So I wanted to find out growing up, what was your experience with dogs? I grew up on a farm and my dad came home one day and called me out onto our back porch and sitting at his side was a collie puppy. And she became my first dog. I named her Peppy. So she was my first experience at having a best friend that couldn't speak, you know, words as us humans know, but spoke volumes to me every day. And how old were you when you got Peppy in your life? You know, I think I was probably five or six. Uh You know, I grew up as an only child. And so I grew up somewhat of a loner, but I always had her there to talk to. I don't think I knew this, but looking back, she, she was the one to unconditionally accept me when I hadn't yet learned to accept myself. Yeah. So tell me about your first book, To the Moon and Back to Me, What I Learned from Four Running Feet. I had experienced a significant loss in my life and was going through a depression, going through just a lot of things. Started writing that shortly after my German short hair pointer, who I considered a soulmate, Mm -hmm. died of cancer. But she was also there to really teach me how to heal and find self-compassion. And I felt like she wanted me to write my first book because I think she knew writing was in me and I just hadn't had the courage yet to share it. And what was her name? Her name was Rue. We brought her home. She started running and all of a sudden she was leaping and I went, Kanga, Rue, and she became Rue. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And how long was she with you? She was um, with us eight years. Okay. A few weeks before we knew she had cancer, her and I were running. We came up to a gentleman who was motioning us to stop. He motioned into a tree and there in the tree was an owl and it was staring at us and it was talking to us and the owl let me take pictures and all of a sudden it flew directly over Rue and I with its wings outstretched. If I was two foot taller, I could have touched it. It was that close and I feel very connected to nature anyway. So I thought something really significant had happened in that moment. And fast forward, Rue got diagnosed with her cancer and passed away. And about a week later, I decided to go on the trail. Her and I always ran. I personally have a belief that death doesn't separate us. And so I asked her to send me a sign that she was still with me. And I got to that spot on the trail and I stopped, of course, and looked. And 
I didn't see the owl. So I kept going and the trail ends and then you turn back and come by that same spot. So I came back by and I stopped. And about two minutes later, into the tree next to me came the owl. And I always figured that was, you know, Rue saying, I'm by your side. And that's some of the stories that you can read in that first book is all the signs and messages that she sent me to let me know, even though I couldn't physically see her, she was still beside me. Wow. My first dog that I had as an adult by myself, his name was Tiny Tim, and he Uh died of lymphoma. And he was definitely my soulmate. And at a certain point in my life, a few months later, I was walking into a shelter to volunteer, and I was very nervous. And I was going up the street, and I just imagined him, because he had three legs, he had one front leg, two back legs, so he he really couldn't just saunter. He had to basically gallop uh, to keep the momentum. And so I imagined him sort of galloping along the side of me on my way to the shelter where I was very nervous about going. Basically, I imagined him jumping up into my heart, Mm. curling up into my heart as though he was curling into his donut bed. And that's where he lives. He was able to be there with me. And he, I think, kind of like the book, How Rue Inspired You to Write This Book, he inspired me as well to create a nonprofit. And that is the legacy, I think, that our our animals uh, have the opportunity to bring into our lives. Absolutely. You know, I many years ago, I had heard about a a tragedy and I couldn't shake it. And I didn't even know the people that had went through the tragedy, but I just could not shake that story. And my friend said to me, Christine, if you make a positive change, you will have made it matter why that happened. You know, we, we learn best through opposites and we can't change the ebbs of life, but we can make a matter that they happen. Wow. I love that. That's an amazing way because we are faced with so much sorrow or read about sorrow and challenges and loss all the time. And it is a part of our life. It's a part of the human existence. But I think that you're right. Just the idea of trying to create something that is growing or positive. And I will take that with me today. How did Hope Has a Cold Nose come into being? It's such a wonderful title, by the way. I love it. Oh, Thank you. I started a master's program. I was in one of the classes with a veteran and a service dog. And it was a leadership course that was called Imagine, Create, and Lead. I felt drawn to ask this veteran if I could write his life story. He graciously said yes. And while I was writing his story, I learned about the statistic of 22 veterans committing suicide a day. And as I shared a moment ago of my, you know, belief, how do we make sorrow matter? It just devastated me to think that people reach a point where life is that hopeless for them. I just felt drawn to write a book that would highlight the healing. So I started reaching out and found other veterans. And two years later, the book came to be. You know, I I had a goal of writing 22 stories because that was symbolic. And then I had a wife of a veteran that also shared her story. I knew I was given a sacred trust, not only because anytime somebody trusts you with their life story, that's sacred, but I'm also, I'm a civilian and I did not grow up in a military family. And so to have these veterans give me that trust um, was very significant. 
Are there any particular highlights of certain dogs or certain stories that really stand out to you from this book? One veteran shared with me, he said, you know, I I got my service dog. We were starting our training. And he said, I just one day thought I can't do it. So he said, I took my dog. I walked out to the woods and he said, I came back into the present moment with my dog licking my face. He said, willing me to put down my 45. So his dog like literally, you know, saved his life. Wow. Every story was different, but every story had a theme. One of them was a lot of the veterans were on a lot of prescription medications prior to their service dogs. You know, they would say it was like being a walking zombie because I was on one to raise me up and then I was on the other one to lower me back down. I was on, you know, just a lot of different ones. And then they will say that they decreased it to almost zero. And if they were on any medicines, it was more for, you know, a back injury or something like that, but not for anxiety and depression and, and some of those things. So that was one. Another was just how much they found the ability to go out and be among people again. One gentleman, one story had spent probably at least 20 years not really being able to go out in public. And then he got his service dog and he took his son and his service dog and went on a six-week trip around the U.S., went to football games and you know went to a lot of places that he had not been able to go in so many years. You know, service dogs, so a lot of these veterans would share with me, they don't have a physically visible wound. You know, some of them do have back issues or leg issues, but many of them, if you looked at them on the street, you would think there's somebody walking their dog. So then they go into certain public settings and they are judged because you don't look blind you're not walking with a cane, you, you don't have prosthetics, you must have just put a jacket on your dog so you could bring your dog into the restaurant or the store. Right. They don't understand the realness of anxiousness around a crowd of people or some of those things. And so then they're judging that and the veterans say, you know, please don't judge us. This dog is helping me be able to be out in public again. One of the things that the timing of this book seemed to be very appropriate was during a time when the world started to experience isolation and anxiousness and of the uncertainty. I think it helped build a little bit more of a bridge for the veterans who have been experiencing that because suddenly we all gained a commonality in the story. I have this perspective that if you do reframe it, suddenly it's something we all have in common because we all know pain, trauma, sorrow, despair, at least one significant moment in our lives of one of those. No, absolutely. And uh, I do agree. And I think that, again, we all kind of suffered in very different ways throughout this pandemic, some with great loss, but I think just the loss of what we considered normal. So I think that so many people can relate to this. The other theme was the unconditional acceptance and listening that each veteran found. So, you know, they'd say, I know my family means well, but they said, even if they want to listen, I'm not comfortable sharing the story. I'm not comfortable 
being that vulnerable with that kind of pain. I feel like I'm a burden to them. But they would say, but I can turn to my service dog and I can talk about anything. And my dog accepts me, you know, and loves me no matter what my story is. I think that not only helped them find a safe place to be accepted, but help them accept their story to then share it and not hide it anymore. Oh, that's great. Dogs are there to sort of listen to us and certainly provide this incredible selfless and unconditional love. So Christine, where can we find you online? I know that you have got, you have an amazing website, which I really recommend everybody to stop by and check out, but where can we find you in social media and online? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, any of those places. And then certainly my website and I have contact information there. I'm always welcoming. If someone wants to chat via email, send me a message. I always welcome that. So your website with all of your information is christinehassing.com. Thank you so much for this honor. It's been wonderful to talk to you, John. Thank you. It was really wonderful speaking with Christine and to really hear about all of the different stories that she's heard and that she's able to document in her new book. There's so much stigma that's attached to PTSD. And it's really great to hear about how these dogs provide not only physical aid, but also help these veterans create a better sense, a greater sense of acceptance and unconditional love. And while I can't put myself in their shoes, I haven't served in the military, I can definitely relate the whole idea about how dogs can really help us heal and really help us get through tough times in our lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer Daniel Lampert for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review please consider signing up to our monthly email newsletter on dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you will also find show merch in our gift shop, including shirts from our Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, My Foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address of bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode of Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you.